The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed in the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. The horses are at the gate. Welcome to Winning Ponies. With a weekend coming up, this is the spot to be for news, handicapping, and spotlights featuring the winners behind horse racing today. Now, here's your host, John Engelhart, racing's regular guy. This is John Engelhart uh, here on winningponies.com. Just want to give everybody a heads up. We will not be on the air next week because we hope you're all with your family, enjoying Thanksgiving or taking a nap after watching a football game. Uh, so we're going to give uh, Matt Widener, our producer, the, the day off. And uh, But we will be back in, in two weeks. already uh, lined up uh, Steve uh, Hanskin uh, from the Blood Horse. Uh, he just had a nice visit with uh, Rachel Alexandra and Zenyatta, and he's going to update us on, on that. Uh, meanwhile, of course, a lot of the talk... Uh, that's been going around is horse of the year. That's obviously going to continue right up until vote time. Uh, we've got two interesting guests with us uh, today. Uh, one is uh, Paul Moran, uh, a writer who has won not one but two Eclipse Awards uh, for his writing. Uh, he's a very intelligent and outspoken writer, and I'll be interesting in the uh, uh, lining up Paul to find out what his stance is on, on some of the major issues in, in racing today. And then uh, one of the all-round nice guys and uh, the man that is the uh, the maestro of Churchill Downs, shall we say, John Asher, uh, is going to be with us. And John is going to break down the the handicapping uh, segment of the program. we got some good races uh, from coast to coast. Well, as I started out talking about Horse of the Year, well, we... Uh, don't have one in the United States yet, Europe does, and rightfully so. Named after Bobby Frankel, the three-year-old Colt Frankel, no big surprise, has been named the Cartier Horse of the Year. That's the name of their awards. That's uh, uh, Europe's year on championship racing awards. Uh, Frankel remains undefeated after nine career starts. Uh, was also named uh, champion three-year-old, went five for five this year. Uh, after winning the Group 3, his comeback race, uh, he captured four Group 1 mile races, uh, the English 2000 Guineas, the St. James Palace Stakes, the Sussex Stakes, and the Queen Elizabeth in his finale last month. Uh, bred known by Judmont Farm, of course, Bobby Frankel uh, trained for them. Uh, he's uh, trained by Henry uh, Cecil. Frankel will race again next year. Looking forward to that. We did mention the uh, German filly, uh, Dan Dream. She crushed arrivals in the Arc de Triomphe uh, at Longchamp while setting a course record. She was named the champion three-year-old filly. Well, uh, back here at the States, uh, things are looking awful good as far as the, the, the health of the sport. And the reason is the conclusion of the Keeneland sale of course, there were some exceptional uh, horses offered, but nonetheless, uh, the gross receipts uh, were up 41.4%. 
2,554 horses were sold. Of course, uh, uh, the, the top class of fillies led by the $8.5 million paid for Breeders' Cup Ladies Classic winner and the probable three-year-old filly champion Royal Delta. Uh, and uh, there were two unique bloodstock uh, dispersals, and which really uh, helped the sale. Uh, there were 23 horses sold for a million dollars or more. Now, this is a kind of a mixed sale, so uh, you, you have uh, horses of racing age, uh, uh, just just like uh, Royal Delta. You also have uh, weanlings. Um, you have uh, in-full mares. It's uh, very much of a mixed sale, horses at all levels, so it's be really interesting to see where some of these uh, million-dollar babies uh, end up uh, later in the season. Um, uh, back uh, closer to home, and uh, got some interesting news out of uh, Louisville. Uh, somebody's going to be heading to warmer weather this year. Uh, normally, uh, Calvin Burrell, uh, after this Churchill meet, takes things uh, kind of slow in December, a couple weekend rides, and that's about it. And then uh, normally he would uh, head over to Oaklawn Park, where he'd been a fixture there since the 1990s. Well, I think he's going to hitch his wagon up to... Uh, a, a son of street sense. Uh, he uh, he uh, rides, uh, of course, he rode uh, street sense for Carl Navsker, uh, but uh, his uh, uh, new connection right now is, is a horse by the name of Motor City, who's trained by Ian Wilkes, who was Navsker's assistant for many, many years. Uh, Burrell won the Iroquois Stakes at Churchill Downs on Motor City, so he might be hoping that he gets another uh, street sense. Um, some news out of the Breeders' Cup, AU Minor, as you know, uh, who was the one horse that did not complete the marathon. Things are starting to look pretty good. You know, he's a six-year-old. Uh, he's going along. He sustained a badly fractured left front sesamoid on the final turn. And uh, right now it looks like he's making good progress. Uh, news out of the Hager-Davidson-McGee Equine Medical Institute. Uh, he underwent uh, surgery for the repair. And the report is that he's doing good. He's off all injectable uh, medicines and is just on oral butte. And they say that's going to be the case for a couple of weeks. And uh, we'll keep our fingers crossed and uh, hope that uh, he comes out of this just fine. Uh, of course, this was the 100th year anniversary of legendary Claiborne Farm. And it, it's fitting that uh, uh, Seth Hancock who's the partner manager in Claiborne, is going to be honored Saturday night by the Kentucky Thoroughbred Owners at its annual awards dinner. He's the 2011 recipient of the prestigious Warner L. Jones Award. Uh, again, 100 years, and can you believe this? It was almost 40 years ago that Seth Hancock, he was only 23 years old, oversaw the syndication of Secretariat for what then was a record Six plus million dollars, uh, peanuts in uh, in, t- in today's uh, money world. Uh, big drama, of course, uh, is going to be retired and is going to stand at Stonewall Farm in Florida for ten thousand uh, dollars. The announcement was made less than twenty four hours after seventh place finish in this year's Breeders' Cup Sprint. Uh, big drama was uh, uh, going to. Uh, Stand down there for only 10. He retired with uh, 11 wins from 19 starts, earnings of $2.7 million. Uh, some 
information out of New York that we may address with uh, Paul Moran, uh, trainer Richard Dutrow on Wednesday received a stay of his 10-year suspension handed down last month by the New York State Racing and Wagering Board. Uh, that will likely remain in force until his appeal of the board's decision. Uh, this will allow Dutrow to train while his appeal remains uh, unresolved. Uh, in similar cases, appeals have taken at least six months to be resolved and may stretch well beyond that. Uh, according to, to Naira, uh, they handed down the band citing Dutro's long history of violations and calling his participation in the sport inconsistent with the best interest of racing. Uh, let's uh, take a look at uh, the races that we broke down last week, some of the bigger races in the country. I want to thank uh, Ralph Sirocco, my friend from Race Day Las Vegas, uh, who went over the card with us. And... Uh, the, the first race, we took the, the Long Island Handicap, and as we said, this was a who's who of trainers, and it was a Hall of Famer that got the job done. Shug McGahee hit it rich with hit it rich. Uh, he stalked the early pace, took command on the third turn. Yes, I said third turn. It was a mile and a half on the grass with, uh, with hit it rich, and... Uh, uh, took home the grade three hundred and fifty thousand uh, dollar Long Island handicap. This is a horse that looks like he's he's just getting better. It's a forty four year old filly by Smart Strike. Uh, it was her first graded stakes win, and uh, showed McGahee training. We're going to see this filly next year. Second was Mekon Melody, the Irish bred, who's making her final start. She won the Long Island handicap uh, last year, and this was a horse that just loved a mile and a half. Uh, three for three at that distance, but just couldn't get it done. Uh, finishing up third was Musical Rain. From there, we went to Calder Race Course, where, of course, they had the series of Calder races for Florida breads, and uh, it was long shot day there. Uh, I don't think a single favorite won. Um, and the race we used was the Bonnie Heath Turf Cup Handicap, uh, it was won by a horse that's uh, basically uh, on the East Coast, uh, came in from uh, Parks, as we call it now, and Belmont Park, came out with the best buyer. The name of the horse was Bad Debt. Uh, the Florida bred came in from the East Coast, held on by three quarters of a length. Uh, finishing second was Piku, a horse who... Uh, had much better year last season, uh, has had a long layoff, but did manage to get up second. So maybe for trainer David Fox, Piku is uh, is coming back into form. He's an older gelding. He's six years old right now. Uh, Roman Tiger finished third, but eventually was disqualified. From there, Ralph and I went to a track where we'll be going to this week, and that, of course, is going to be Churchill Downs. Uh, we played the uh, the Mrs. Revere, and uh, I think if you go back over the podcast, we came home with the uh, with the trifecta in here. The top spot wasn't that hard. It's all about the company you keep, and we talked about marketing mix, taking on the horses in the Queen Elizabeth Cup Grade one at Keeneland, where this horse made a huge late run against Together, uh, who's just an outstanding uh, filly in, in her own right. Uh, she came out of a huge race, and she got the job done. In the saddle, of course, was uh, Mr. Le Paru, who's just having a fantastic meet. So uh, coming out of that big race, uh, this horse ran the second fastest 
Miss Revere in the history of the stakes race. Uh, second was a horse we said had been traveling uh, all over the place, and that is Busy Caroline, horse not a tra- afraid to travel, trained by Kenny McPeak. Uh, had been at Churchill, Hollywood, Delmar, Keeneland, and uh, but this is a horse that loved the Churchill Down turf. Uh, came roaring at the end. It was her second start back after a layoff. Uh, keep an eye out on Busy Caroline from the Kenny McPeak barn. Uh, these again, uh, three-year-old fillies. And up for third, a horse who uh, was coming out of another big race, the Garden City, a grade one, only missed by a length and three quarters, uh, was, was Hungry Island. So I believe it was trifecta time at, at Churchill there. And then uh, we went out on the West Coast, and it was a case of the Killer Bees. That's right. Bob Baffert and Rafael Bejarano, they have been teaming up with a slew of wins out on the West Coast, and uh, he's got another nice two-year-old. Let's face it, the, the Baffert barn is loaded this year. This was Liaison, uh, a horse I liked on top, that had just broken its maiden, but did so very, very impressively. And, and the stats that Baffert has with two-year-olds out there are just through the roof. Uh, this horse uh, drew away uh, in the, um, the Real Quiet, of course, named after a horse that uh, Baffert trained. Uh, Bayerano kept Liaison back and then closed well. Now, this is the first time this horse had gone a mile and a sixteenth. Uh, it's by Indian Charlie out of a victory gallop mare, a horse that Bob Baffert hates. And why does Bob Baffert hate victory gallop? Because that's the horse that ruined his chance for the triple crown with uh, real quiet, the horse that this race was named after. And back closer to my home, yeah, you've heard me mention I, li- I like the old uh, the old war horses like Royal Redo. Well, uh, you can't keep a good 10-year-old down. Uh, Cat Launch, the horse, the 10-year-old who became a millionaire this year, was uh, entered in his final race of the year. I don't believe of his career, according to his trainer, Ivan Vasquez, and did manage to come home with a stakes win in the rough Kirchberg Memorial Handicap. So uh, that's uh, pretty much a look at the, the, the races that uh, we, we looked at Last week, again, coming up this week, I know uh, a couple of the races that we're going to talk about uh, with is going to be uh, Drill, who's going to be going in the $1 million Delta jackpot, and Flat Out, who's going to run Clark Handicap. Um, so uh, we'll be taking a look at those races. Right now we're going to go to a commercial break, and when we come back, we're going to be talking with award winner Paul Moran. Your internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. And they're off. What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of the easy win form. The most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let winningponies.com make some money for you. 
football, and so much more is the focus of Planet Gridiron with Damian Anderson. Join the former Arizona Cardinals running back for a show that mixes, well, a little bit of everything. Damian brings to the program life experiences playing football, and we'll talk about his variety of successes both on and off the field. The goal is to provide you with a fun perspective on life, family, success, and of course, football. Tune in to Planet Gridiron with Damian Anderson, Fridays at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time, on the Voice America Sports Channel. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Engelhart. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. Well, welcome back, everyone, and uh, I've got a very special treat for you uh, today. If you go read uh, racing stories on ESPN.com or uh, Newsday or several other outlets, just about any newspaper in the country over the years, you would have seen the name of Paul Moran. Uh, Paul Moran, the uh, uh, person, second one in two weeks that we've had on that has won not one but two Eclipse Award for writing, uh, Paul, just a, an intelligent, uh, eloquent uh, wordsmith. I, I love uh, reading the, the articles he puts out, and uh, right now let me introduce you to Paul Moran. Paul, how are you doing today? I'm well. Good to be with you. Uh, Paul, can, can you give uh, our, our listeners from winningponies.com a little bit of background? You, when, when I read you, your writing, I can tell that you're passionate about the sport and that you, you really want to see the right thing happen. And, I, and I'll tell you this, you sure don't hold back any punches. So in order to get this kind of love of the sport, I, I'm interested in, in knowing how you got involved and how you got that passion. Uh, that's, a, that's, the, that's a very simple answer. My father took me to the racetrack one day, and I never <laughs> left. Uh, that was many years ago, and it was Fort Erie. And uh, I knew immediately that there was something about this that I really liked. And at first, it was, it was, uh, it, it was a hobby. I, I approached it as a fan. And as the years went by, and I... I got involved in writing about many other kinds of sports. Uh, eventually, the opportunity came by to put these two things together. Uh, that was in the very early 80s, and I've not done anything else since. Well, you're, you're in the right spot. Uh, as I always tell my children, uh, find something you love to do and get a job in it, and you'll never have to work a day of your life. Well, I, I believe somebody. I, I believe that is not an original quote, John. Well, it's the original feeling, you know. But hey, there's never <laughs> been a good quote I wouldn't nothing, feel. There's nothing in life that's any more true. <laughs> Absolutely, and that's why I just I just love being in racing, and, and I love constantly uh, meeting new people who, you know, I believe uh, like yourself. Uh, our ambassador to this sport. But like I said, you, you, you take the sport passionately. Um, I'm going to try to hit a couple of subjects 
that you've written about. And again, folks, when you when you read Paul Moran, there's no question about what side of the fence he's on. Um, let, let's let's talk a little bit about some articles that I've read about you concerning uh, medication. If I may, just use your words uh, from an article that that uh, you wrote in July when we talked about uh, Lasix and and the fact that uh, you know so so many horses uh, actually just in North America seem to. Uh, have to race on it. Uh, these, these are Paul's words. Meanwhile, in an ivory tower movement in support of medication-free racing has begun to gain purchase, and the Breeders' Cup has declared that its championship races for two-year-olds will be run free on Lasix in 2012, and all will be drug-free by 2013, a move that will result in deep and painful self-inflicted wound. This is, supporters claim, a move towards a global medication ban to which the rest of the international racing world already subscribes. It is more accurately a well-meant, if ill-advised, rush to chaos. And then as he closes the article out, it says, blanketed across-the-board elimination of Lasix, however, would bring about irreversible paramutual Armageddon, a problem more insidious and ultimately debilitating and any posed by the use of Lasix. Like I said, you don't pull any punches, Paul. Well, what's, what would be the point? <laughs> you know, if you have an opinion, you have an opinion. Uh, I'm not trying to save anybody's feelings here. Uh, and, I mean, this, is, this is, happens to be reality. How would you, on one day, suddenly remove, a, a, and, and no matter how you feel about Lasix, uh, how do you remove something suddenly on one day that people have been dealing with for 30 years and say today every horse on the card is lit or every horse, every, at least every two-year-old is Lasix off. How do you deal with that as a better? Impossible. So what, what would be the response to that? You don't play. Now the British Cup is built upon betting. If you if 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 you bite your nose off to spite your face, you have to really anticipate the the cost of this. I mean, you can't have both you can't have both halves of the pie. So, you know, as and I'm 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 in the school of people who uh, regard Lasix as not the insidious thing everybody. Is. It thinks it is. I totally agree. You know, I mean, it's not performance enhancing. Uh, it allows horses to run without blood in their lungs. Now, what's wrong with that? Explain to me what's wrong with sparing a horse the 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 uh, the experience of trying to run while gurgling blood in its lungs. Well, Paul, explain you know, to me why when I open up my Breeders' Cup racing form every year, I notice that all the European horses are suddenly racing on Lasix. Of course. And by the way, nobody brings up the fact that they all train on Lasix over there. They may not run it, but they train on it. I mean, this is because something is done or not done in Europe does not make it right. And... If you're going to like compare it, like get a handle on what's actually happening in Europe. Oh, all I know is, you know, I, I, I 
race on more of a minor league circuit, and it would totally just shut down racing in the United States. I mean, these these six-year-old geldings that have been running on Lasix for years, if all of a sudden you could tell them they're not going to be able to get that medication, it would just it would shut the sport down. Absolutely, and I guarantee you that not one person who was involved in in this this Nitwit Breeders' Cup uh, decision owns, or maybe has ever owned, a, a racehorse. <laughs> yeah, it, it does. It does make you look awful good. Um, let's see what. Uh, I, I need to, to, to move along to some other topics that I that I know you you seem very passionate about, and, and one is, uh, and we could talk forever about this, and it's going to be hard to put it uh, 10 pounds in a 5-pound bag, but your comments about the Breeders' Cup and the fact that it looks like it may never come back to the Big Apple. Well, I, I, I believe that it, you know, that now that it will, because I believe that now they, they've come to the realization that the, the reaction to their going to California again before coming back here uh, has met with enough, you know, reaction that they, they realize the mistake that they made. So I believe that they will. I, and, you know, I, I believe probably the 2013 Beers Cup will be here. If not, you know, something is radically wrong. I mean, if, if not, something should be done. You know. Well, I hope you're right because I, I went to the last Breeders' Cup uh, uh, at Belmont, and just what, what a sensational plant to have it at. I mean, the size of it, uh, not only to, to accommodate the fans, but the, the size of the place and the options for training for these horses that come in from all over the world are, are just fantastic. It's just a beautiful facility, and, and I really do hope that, in, in fact, it does come back. Now, let me try to hit on one more thing. Early at the top of the show, I announced a, the horse of the year in Europe, and that would be Frankel. Uh, boy, nobody's got a crystal ball this year. It's going to be really, really tough. I mean, you're rolling the dice in voting for horse of the year this year. Well, I don't think, you know, and that's wrong, too. Because if, if there's, I mean, uh, there could be two or three real contenders. As there, I mean, two years ago, it was between Zenyatta and Rachel Alexander. But, you know, last year it was absolutely Zenyatta. Uh, in most years, you can identify the horse of the year or maybe two that deserve this. But this year, nobody deserves it. I mean, I, at the Breeders' Cup, nobody, none of the candidates showed up. And some of the others who you might have considered didn't make it to the Breeders' Cup. So there, there should be some option for be, there being no horse of the year this year. Would that be the worst thing that ever happened? I mean, well, tell me what would be wrong if you went a year and nobody was horse of the year? Who's going horse of the year? I've heard Game on Duke. Give me a break. Came out who is now horse of the year in, if he was racing in Puerto Rico. <laughs> I don't hear. Yeah. I mean, is, is it a bad thing to say there won't be that? We're not going to have that. We're not, we're going to spare you that. Because whoever wins won't deserve it. Now, do you think if Arv de Grasse went to the ladies' classic and won that definitively, that you might have a change of heart. Oh, absolutely. No problem. 
But they, they made the decision not to do that. Okay, so maybe Rick Porter caught... I mean, and by the way, she's probably going to win by default. But, but that was a bad decision on Rick Porter's part. And, you know, there's got to be... There's got to be some punishment for making a bad decision. <laughs> well, we're going to find out in a couple of weeks. I, I don't want to let you go before I, I, I address uh, well, more one more of your here. articles, and that was um, it was written early in the year, and it was it was called a dying breed, and. We're seeing, particularly, uh, I'm in an area now that uh, does not have slots, but looks like it may well have in the, in the state of Ohio. And I know that uh, you mentioned uh, Penn Nationals portfolio, and uh, you kind of you, your view on Racinos. And as I read it, you know, uh, I started thinking, you know, everybody feels like nobody cares. But then all of a sudden, what I loved is that you turn the article by saying, well, maybe it's not a death knoll. Uh, that uh, belief that the end of racing's days will coincide with the death of the last horse player has been long and widely held, but has always been false. Uh, racing's seen better days, but it's uh, far from grave condition. I mean, I like the fact that y- do you seem to see some type of uh, light on the horizon, Paul. Well, I like to tell this story. Uh my father was the first person who ever took me to a racetrack. I was a child. And he could tell that I was kind of being drawn into this and said to me, don't get to like this. It won't be here that much longer. And I asked why. And he said, look at all these people here. They're all my age. When they're gone, who's going to be here? Okay, so I'm 64 years old now. I'm still here. <laughs> uh, the game has changed. You don't find, you know, on most days, most racetracks are pretty much empty of people. But they're, and, and I'm not at the racetrack every day anymore. I went to the racetrack, I was at the racetrack every day for 30 years or more. But I'm not anymore. I live in Saratoga Springs. There's not racing every, you know, we have six weeks of racing. There's seven now. And I go back and forth to New York as needed. But I turn on the television. I have an account. I can bet. I go to Saratoga Harness on a Saturday afternoon. There are four or 500 people there sometimes. Uh, on a big day, you can't get in. So there are still people who are interested. Well, I'd like to say that uh, I've done what your dad did, and I've taken all my young sons who are no longer young to the races, and they they all all seem to to have an appreciation for it. And uh, I've I've made my career that is trying to bring people to the races, and when they get there, uh, educate them as smoothly as possible about how they can catch the fish rather than handing them the fish. And um, I'm about to talk to John Asher, and Churchill Downs has made some uh, fantastic steps in the right direction. I even see tracks like Keeneland who basically just have to open their door and they'll get attendance, uh, reaching out and, and trying to appeal to, to younger customers. And, and I'll kind of bring this to a, a, a close with, with your own words talking about those tracks. It says, uh, young people, no doubt fewer than past eras of prosperity, will find themselves drawn to the racetrack atmosphere, the compelling challenge of handicapping, and the majestic animals around 
which the racing world revolves. Those are the words of Paul Moran, ladies and gentlemen. Paul, it's been a pleasure speaking with you. My pleasure, John. All right. Well, coming up again, we've got we've got John Asher. Again, I want to thank Paul Moran, a two-time winner of the Media Eclipse Award. He's received various honors from all kinds of associations. He'll be given the Red Smith Award for his coverage of the Kentucky Derby, the highest writing award you can get. And in a few minutes, we're going to be talking to the maestro of the Kentucky Derby, one John Asher. <laughs> Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of the easy win form. The most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let winningponies.com make some money for you. If you're looking for a radio show about boxing, you usually can't find one until you stop by the Voice America Sports Channel. Tune in to Outside the Ring with former world lightweight champion and U.S. Olympian David Diaz. We'll deliver the knockout punches with our guests as we go inside the minds of today's top fighters. We'll throw in discussion of other sports as well from time to time. Outside the Ring with David Diaz airs every Thursday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time noon pacific on the voice america sports channel your internet flagship station for sports voice america sports you're tuned in to winning ponies with your host john Engelhart. got a tip for us need a tip from us if you want to talk with john or his guests the phone lines are now open toll free at 1-888- 346-9144 that's 1-888-346-9144 or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com now back to winning ponies with john Engelhart. all right and and with me uh, a man who has a, a resume longer than will chamberlain's arm uh john asher from uh, Churchill Downs, I so lucky to get him. I'm surprised he's uh, he's still up and breathing. Uh, they just uh, put together a, a beautiful uh, presentation of the Breeders' Cup. The work that goes into that is uh, just uh, unbelievable. Considering that you have to track horses from in every part of the world, in every single division, almost every race is a championship one, and uh, John's the man that, uh, that helps coordinate all the information. I was down there in Louisville myself. Every time I turned on a television station, it seemed like I saw John doing an interview. John Asher, how are you, my friend? Couldn't be better, John. How are you? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. It's been a good season. You guys put on a great show last week, I have to say. It was a great one. It was a lot of fun. Uh, first time we've done it back-to-back years here at Churchill. You know, this is the eighth time we've had the Breeders' Cup here. And uh, each one has been super memorable in its own way. From the first one back in 88 when Ali Sheba won and Personal Ensign finished her career on the unbeaten note. It was just that, that to me, 
Much as I love the Kentucky Derby, that day of racing in 1988, the first Breeders' Cup here at Churchill, is the best day of racing I have ever seen anywhere, and that still stands true. But uh, this was a memorable weekend with a lot of good performances. Uh, if you were looking forward to settle uh, the Eclipse Awards battles, you were disappointed. But uh, hopefully, uh, hopefully everybody got a couple of those big prices in because uh, um, you know those races proved as much as any as there's a reason we run these things, and we had some surprising winners. Uh, with, without a doubt. Now, John, what I want to do is um, I, I, want, I want to let the, the Winning Ponies listeners figure out who you are and, and how you got to, to, to where you are. Uh, tell me about your introduction to racing and, and, and how you ended up with such a, a key position at Churchill Downs. Just a luckiest guy in the world, basically. I, I grew up uh, about an hour and a half from Churchill Downs. I grew up on a farm, my grandmother's farm, where the only horse we had was uh, literally a horse that uh, pulled a plow in my grandmother's garden. But uh, but I was extremely fortunate in that my family was, like so many Kentucky families, a horse racing family one day a year. Everybody got together and watched the Kentucky Derby on television, and I just... Uh, just remember that one of those uh, one of those derbies uh, really uh, the, the light flashed on. In fact, I can tell you which one it was. It was '67 with Proud Clarion winning uh, winning that Kentucky Derby for Darby Dan, and um, it, it was just uh, I fell in love with it. Started to follow it. I was lucky that I grew up in an area of Kentucky where I could watch uh, Louisville TV shows, uh, Louisville TV stations, where there was a lot of racing coverage. Uh, we got the Courier Journal, then a super great newspaper in the mailbox every day, rural delivery, but I uh, had a lot of racing coverage there. And um, lived within the uh, range of, uh, of a radio station in, in Louisville called WHAS, which is a 50,000-watt clear channel station that did a ton of racing coverage, especially around, uh, especially around uh, derby time. So I, I really got to kind of immerse myself in it, although I really wasn't close to the racetrack. And, and, uh, and when I was in the eighth grade, I told my mother I wanted, to, I wanted to go to Churchill Downs, and I had an aunt and uncle who were big racing fans. So I got to Louisville. They took me to the track. And one thing, uh, you know, positive things have happened since then. I went to, went to Western Kentucky University and studied journalism there and ended up working for a Louisville radio station. And as a lover of thoroughbred racing, I was a guy that got to cover the Derby. My first Derby I covered was 82. And after that, got to work at a couple of other uh, great Louisville radio stations that gave me the opportunity to cover thoroughbred racing. And in 97, I ended up here at Churchill Downs. So, and uh, have been here since then as uh, as one of the communications people and just the just the luckiest person in the world to see that progression of events lead me to the home of the Kentucky Derby and the, the opportunity to work and be a part of the Derby tradition every year and to be around great events like the Breeders' Cup and uh, and and just the racing that goes on here. I'm just uh, as I said, luckiest guy in the world. Can't give you any other explanation. Uh, you've got a great set of pipes, so if you ever decide to leave Churchill, I'm sure you're, you'll land a job in radio or uh, on stage and screen somewhere. You know, I, I do know that, that one of your passions, from, from what I know about, yeah. uh, uh, you know, you, is your, your love of music. Did yep. you ever have a, a connection with, with, with a musical group, or were you ever a musical DJ? No, I was a DJ early in my radio career. I was a DJ in college, uh, so so I did that for a few years and just just loved that like racing from when I was a kid. I was one of those guys that watched the Beatles on Ed Sullivan, and I was pretty much uh, there, you know, beyond from from that moment on. So, just have always loved music and have the, had the great opportunity to uh, 
to to get to follow us. See a lot of great bands over the years. Get to know a few people over the years. But uh, you know, kind of kind of like uh, thoroughbred racing. Those are those are two things that uh, when you fall in love with, they get under your skin and and you never you never ever let them go, which is a good thing. Well, it, it is a good thing. And in doing that, I, I noticed that you've learned how to read a a daily racing form over the years. So I'm going to tap into you uh, to help our winning ponies listeners maybe uh, cash a ticket or two at their favorite racetrack or OTB parlor uh, over the weekend. And uh, one of the marquee races uh, hopefully will be on the turf at uh, Churchill Downs, uh, the ninth race on Saturday, uh, the River City Handicap, uh, a grade three race that's uh, brought together some interesting horses. I, I know who I kind of like in here, but I'll be interested to pick in your brain, John. Yeah, it's not, not the greatest field we've ever had for the River City, but a good field. Some solid horses in here. They're going a mile and eighth on the Matt Wynn turf course. Our, uh, our our races on Saturday will be on the hedge of the Matt Winter, of course. We have a temporary rail that goes out two positions, 15 or 22 feet. It's 22 feet right now for the racing for Friday, but that will come down on Saturday, so you're on the hedge. The important thing to know about that at Churchill Downs is when that temporary rail is up, that speed tends to hold up better. Um, it doesn't mean that the front runner is going to win the races, but a lot of times a long price front runner will, uh, you got to give them the benefit of it out, and sometimes they'll hang in there, sometimes they win, sometimes they'll hang in there and be part of the trifecta, but speed does tend to hold better with that temporary rail out. It's a pretty true run race, though, most cases when, uh, when uh, we're down on the hedge, and, and there's a little cut in the ground. We've had some rain. Uh, there's there's uh, more in the forecast over the weekend, although I think we'll be okay uh, for, uh, for for Saturday. But, uh, but, but again, it's autumn in Kentucky, so there'll be a little moisture in the ground. Favorite of the race is uh, the 8 Taja Wheat. And, and certainly figures to me. He's had a he's had a terrific career. He's won five of nineteen lifetime. Has uh, earned three hundred one thousand dollars for uh, trainer Danny Pites and at Shadwell Stable. Dinah former uh, of six year old here, coming off a really tough spot last time out when he ran behind Gio Pontes, um, uh, Get Stormy, Sydney's Candy, and and uh, just a, a terrific field in the Shadwell Turf Mile. Uh, before that, he'd won two in a row at Arlington Park. One on yielding turf, so he, again, he likes a little cut in the ground. He won the Arlington, uh, um, uh, he, he ran in the Arlington Million behind Cape Blanco. Before that, though, he won the uh, the Arlington Handicap Grade 3 event up there. And it should be awful tough in this spot, given who he's run against. Uh, you know, I don't think there's a, a big question of speed in here. I think there's, there's some speed to set it up at a mile and eight. Zimmer's got good speed. Bergerac who has um, has run well here at Churchill Downs, though he's never won over the turf course, has good speed. So there should be you know, kind of an honest pace in here. Even Cherokee Lord uh, down toward the inside has good speed. He's uh, showed a lot of speed in his last two at Remington, the Remington Green and uh, the Hawthorne Gold Cup. So it ought to set up for Tajaweed if he gets the trip. He's got Jesus Castanon in the saddle, who I think is one of the most underrated riders uh, probably in the country. He did get a Preakness win this year with Shackelford, um, but uh, but still a guy that I, I think is underutilized even here on the Kentucky circuit. Uh, Why the switch to him? I'm trying to figure out because James Graham has been the regular rider on this horse and hasn't done a bad job. Yeah, I'm not sure what the deal is there either. And Jane Graham, as you're right, has been up what uh, five five times in a row on him, six times in a row on him. So, so I'm not sure. Maybe I don't, I don't know if he's got another uh, uh, you know another engagement on Saturday. But but Castellon's a good one to drop in there. And uh, oh yeah, and that, he just looks awfully solid. I do think a couple of horses. Uh, you know, you've got Blue Street in here. One of the Mervyn Muniz down at uh, down at uh, Fairgrounds last year. Good man, Hope's I can tell you that. This track, uh, but I, I think a, there are a couple of uh, couple of horses looking to make reputation in here that, that could run pretty well. I think Zimmer is one of them for uh, Pat Byrne. Calvin Morrell in the saddle. This is a horse with some early speed, but I don't think necessarily
somebody has to be in front. He's never won on the turf. He's he's run four times, but he's an empire maker out of a phone trick mare. I think he's got the. Uh, the the pedigree to, to to be able to handle uh, that and if Calvin can and nobody puts him to sleep better than Calvin does so I think if he can get him wrestling back off that pace a little bit get him relaxed in second or third he might be the one to catch uh, when when they turn for home and and Gleam of Hope under um, who's now talking about Mike Stidham Tony Reinstetter had him when he won the Jefferson Cup here he's got a chance to be in the right spot I think he'll be you know about fourth or so early and and uh, might get a jump on Tajweed but I just think Tajweed uh, looks awfully awfully tough in there what do you think well, I, I, you, you kind of read my mind. I had Tajweed as my top horse, uh, Blue Street for probably in the second spot, and mm-hmm. then Gleam of Hope, who, by the way, won a little race called the uh, Cradle Stakes at River Down yes, he did. Uh, a couple years ago. Um, I think he's uh, very eligible to pick up third money. I mean, he's won at a mile and a quarter. Uh, I'm not sure that this is his best distance, but, uh, you know, he he's, looks like he, he's rounding into form for horses. only had four starts this year. He can be dangerous, and when I handicap, I do it without the odds, and I'm just just wondering if you couldn't pick up a little price on Gleam of Hope, and if I was playing a super, I'd probably go down to Cherokee Lord, so that would mm. be the direction I'd be going in in the, in the River City, John. Yeah, Gleam of, uh, Gleam of Hope, I, his sire is City Zip, who amazes me, just, just because he's a Carson City, but but his offspring just, just really love the grass, and uh, and Gleam of Hope, and, you know, I think, uh, as you said, he's lightning race this year, he's, he's surely in good hands with Mike Stidham, and uh, got a chance to run well, and you'll get a, you will get a, a solid price on him, because I, I really think Tajaweed will be a be a fairly short price in there, I, I can see him 7 to 5 or 6 to 5 in there, yeah, don't you? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, he's the class of the field. I, I don't doubt it at all. Yeah. Well, here's what I think we'll do, John. Uh, we, we've, we've covered uh, the life and times of John Asher and at the main race at Churchill this weekend. Let's take a little break, and when we come back, let's uh, go all the way out to Hollywood Park to the Hollywood Turf Club. Sound good? Sounds good. All right. We'll be right back on winningponies.com. Internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. And they're off! What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of the easy win form. The most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let winningponies.com make some money for you. Are you a real sports fan? Get ready to talk football and anything else sports with Kwame Lasseter, formerly with the Arizona Cardinals, San Diego Chargers, and St. Louis Rams. Kwame's got the experience, so he's prepared to talk sports with you every week on Kwame Lasseter's Sports Talk. It's on the Voice America Sports Network every Tuesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, noon Eastern Time. Get ready for unpredictable fun and sometimes a sarcastic look at the world of sports. That's Kwame Lasseter's Sports Talk on the Voice America Sports Network. Your internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. 
You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Engelhart. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. And a pleasure to have Churchill Downs' John Asher with me today, uh, breaking down the races and letting us know what's going on uh, at Churchill Downs. Like I said, uh, you know, he's been handicapping for quite a few years, and he can't just handicap races at Churchill Downs. So I've challenged him here. I'm going to take him to California. Then I'm going to take him to Louisiana, where actually he might have a little edge because there's quite a few uh, Churchill Downs horses that are going to be uh, running in the million-dollar race that is going to happen at Delta Downs this week. John, let's try to tackle uh, a race you don't get to handicap too often, a mile and a half on the grass. It's the grade one, quarter-million-dollar Hollywood Turf Cup. I'll be interested in knowing who came to the top for you. Yeah, pretty tough heat in here. It's, it's, it's tough for me to go against Bourbon Bay in here, although there, there's just there's no speed in this race. There's just Do you know what race he ran none. second in? What's that? Do you know what race he ran second in as a two-year-old? As a two-year-old? What, yeah. uh, what wasn't in uh, located in the state of Ohio, was it? Yeah, it was. And another cradle graduate there on the card this weekend. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's had a very solid career. Uh, he's, he's won uh, you know seven out of twenty-two. Uh, he has earned more more than seven hundred thousand dollars. He was on the front last time out at, at Woodbine in the in the Northern Dancer, and uh, you know I'm not sure that's where he wants to be. But in a race with no pace, uh, that that may be where he finds himself at, at a mile and a half here in in this one. And he's a little eager to go last time. Uh, Garrett Gomez in the in the saddle aboard in this time out breaks from the inside. He's going to be called, I think, all all the way around there. Uh, look at some of these other horses. I tried to find a you know a way to make a case for for a couple of these longer prices. I did, did take a look at Ashtar. Intrigues me a little bit. It's a Chilean import coming off a fourth place finish behind Acclamation, who I really wish had made it to the Breeders' Cup. I think yes. he had a good chance to be I mean, even when the classics had gone in that direction. I, I think he was just a very very talented horse, and it was really disappointing when he went to the sidelines. But that was a pretty good race. And I, you know, you look at his races; each has improved just a little bit. And, if he you know steps up just a bit forward, uh, uh, maybe he can pull a surprise under here under Hector Barrios. Uh, Graham Motion ships west with Sanagas, who won at Keeneland last time out on Polytrack on uh, the Sycamore. That one was uh, moved off the grass and in, uh, into that spot. That was a very solid race, and and uh, surely he's going to love the distance. And I think you, uh, Graham Motion is one of those trainers when he ships cross country. You better pay attention. That means his horse is doing well. So, got to give the edge to Bourbon Bay on the Ohio background in the cradle, if nothing else. But uh, Bourbon Bay. Ashtar and uh, and Senegas will come rolling. But I just don't know if he's got the pace to get it done in here. Right. I, uh, I'm kind of uh, as much as, of course, you know, my heart's with, with, with Bourbon Bay. Uh, I'd rather see Rafael Bayerano in the saddle. To be honest with you, he he just seemed to have a great relationship with this horse and yep. seemed to know how to time him so well uh, when he had that sensational 2010 season. Um, but the, the, this Sanagas, again, you mentioned Grand Motion. I mean, look at this horse. Arlington Park, Saratoga, Belmont, Keeneland. You know, he's, he's got to have a lot of confidence in this German bred, who I noticed this horse didn't even start until it was four years old. So obviously they've let this horse mature. Uh, it, it's actually won the Sycamore, which, which is a mile and five-eighths, a distance you won't see too often. Um, and uh, so the, I, I think this horse has a good foundation in him, and, Grand Motion's having such a fantastic season. Uh, I'm going to go with the German bread in here and, and uh, again, be uh, rooting for Bourbon Bay. And, 
it'll be interesting to see who finishes underneath because I think he can pretty much hit the all button after that. Yeah, I think he can too. It's a for 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 a race of that distance out there. I think there are lots of ways you can go, but the Bourbon Bay runs the form. I think he'll be pretty tough in there. But but like you, I think uh, you, you got to worry about uh, motion shipping cross country, and Santa Gus might be just hitting his stride. Um, I, I don't know for real, but I'm guessing that there aren't any other million-dollar grade three races other than the Delta Downs jackpot. Would you tend to agree with me? I, I'm fairly confident you're absolutely <laughs> correct in that assessment. But uh, but here we go. we got 12, uh, 10 of them going. I don't understand why there are just 10 of them going for a million dollars, the two-year-olds at a mile and the 16th, unless that's all they can run down there because it is a small, uh, smaller track at Delta Downs. But 10 of them in there, and uh, one right out of the Breeders' Cup Juvenile, which I think surprises uh, a lot of people, uh, not necessarily me. Uh, he's 2-1, to one, drill in there for Bob Baffert, son of lawyer Ron, who uh, opened his career to some strong reviews, ran against some good company, ran against a creative cause, was second hand. He finished a good third in the Breeders' Cup Juvenile, and then just couldn't get out of his own way. Had a horrible start in the Breeders' Cup uh, Juvenile at Churchill Downs. Just, just draw a line. Uh, draw a line through that one and uh, look through the earlier races. And Baffert, when he ships, is awfully dangerous. And, of course, uh, the house guy, Martin Garcia, is is aboard in there. Uh, Sabercat's an interesting horse in here for Steve Asperson. This horse was entered in the Breeders' Cup Juvenile. Uh, he came up with a little illness during the week, and he, and he had to scratch um, after being uh, – I don't think he actually was entered in the race, but, uh, but did have to scratch. And uh, he was coming off a couple of wins, uh, not exactly – you know, top marquee wins wasn't winning in New York or California, but did get a stakes win in the uh, in the Garden State at Monmouth Park, and has good running style for this race because there's a ton of speed and a lot of it to the inside. He got Longview Drive, who ships in from the West Coast for Jerry Hollendorfer, Seven Lively Sins, who ran a very good race in the Iroquois at Churchill. That's the one turn mile. I'm not sure how good that race was. We haven't seen Motor City, the winner of that, come back or anybody else come out of it. But I think Seven Lively Sins is a is a solid type. But again, you got a lot of speed in here with two year olds this early uh, in the year. Um, you know, I, I, I kept trying to look for a way to, uh, to to go against drill in here. It's tough to, although my Adonis uh, does intrigue me a little bit from Kelly Breen's yeah. barn. Took four starts to break his maiden. Did win the Jean Lafitte uh, Futurity, a prep for this race last time out. And a race over the track, I don't think it hurt him. And uh, if you like uh, Sabercat, and I think he's one of them, this, this horse finished second to Sabercat, three starts back. So I'm going to give him a little edge for an upset for Kelly Breen, who's had a big, big year. So I'm going to try my Adonis in there over drill. Seven Lively Sins will be uh, be my third horse in here. Although Longview Drive intrigues me. He comes east for Jerry Hollendorfer. Whenever Jerry Hollendorfer ships, he's one of those horses, one of those trainers that I always pay attention to them. Been running on the smaller circuits out there in California, but but Joel Rosario comes in. He, I think he's he's very dangerous down there on the rail at uh, ten to one for Hollendorfer. Absolutely. Well, one of my favorite angles that that I brought up as far as handicapping. Anybody that knows me uh, will know this is that I, I love to see some type of equipment change and uh-huh. then a bullet work. And I noticed that Baffert's putting blinkers on drill. And this horse, even though he, you know, had a ship across the country, running the Breeders' Cup Juvenile at Churchill Downs, comes out and throws a bullet out on November 14th. Uh, I'm going to bet you dollars to donuts that that horse had blinkers on that day. Yeah, I And so uh, this might be the new way to go with drill. Um, on the other hand, I think uh, the value of a trip over a track is very important. And therefore... I'm liking my Adonis. So as wide open as this race is, I think I'm just making a big old exacta box with Drill and my Adonis down there at the uh, Delta Downs jackpot for a million dollars.
Yeah, we settled on the same two there, and I think, you know, pretty much the same scenario. It was a ton of speed down to the inside. Those two figured to be laying back off of it a little bit, and, uh, you know, from about, about the upper stretch, they should be, should be in the hunt there, and we'll see if they carry on home. Well, John, uh, we've got a couple minutes left, and uh, sad to say we're not going to be on the air next Thursday, so I thought maybe I'd give a little preview of, of, of things to come uh, at, at Churchill Downs in the week ahead. I was really kind of hoping that uh, Drosselmeyer and Game On Dude would, would stick around for the Clark, but it, it still looks like you're going to have one heck of a field with the likes of Flat Out and Wise Dan going in that race. Yeah, it's going to be a very good field. Flat out, uh, the uh, Jock Club Gold Cup winner, he's confirmed for the race. Uh, Wise Dan, who won the uh, Fayette at Keeneland last time out, very versatile type. He's won on dirt, he's won on synthetic, he's won on grass, and he's on the top of his game right now. Uh, he's uh, He is definite for the race if all goes well over the next week. We did lose a, a key player today in Giant Oak, who was injured in training up at Hawthorne Park. Another horse ran on ran into him on the track up there. Oh, no, really? Uh, so, so he won't be making it, but his stable mate, Mr. Mardi Gras, won the ACAC on opening day for uh, Chris uh, Block. He, he will be in the race. I think we've got a uh, a, a pretty good chance to uh, get Ruler on Ice, the Belmont Stakes winner in here. And, and, and you know, there's some Eclipse Award uh, uh, angles in this race. I mean, one is flat out, who still has a chance, I think, to get best older horse uh, in America, should he win a Clark. That would give him a grade one to go with his win in the grade two Brooklyn and, and the uh, Jockey Club Gold Cup if he runs a big race here. Mysteriously, he is not run well on three starts here, or at least he hasn't been close in those races. He finished sixth earlier this year in the Stephen Foster at Churchill, but he's a, he's a very good horse. Uh, we're also, uh, you know, we, uh, uh, and I think, too, with Ruler on Ice, if he comes, he can kind of stake a claim maybe for three-year-old honors. So the win in the Belmont Stakes, he was third in the Breeders' Cup Classic, and if he adds a grade one winner or older horses, who knows? Uh, you may have uh, may have some possibilities there. Uh, prayer for relief, the Bob Baffert three-year-old who was entered in the Breeders' Cup but scratched, he is now confirmed for the race. So it's going to be a good field. That's on Friday, the uh, 25th, the Thanksgiving Day feature here at Churchill's the Fall City for Phillies and Mayors. Then we've got all two-year-olds on the uh, final Saturday on the 26th uh, with the Jockey Club, uh, the Kentucky Jockey Club for the Colts and the Goldenrod for the Phillies. We've seen a ton of good-looking two-year-olds here this fall. I mean, some horses that have really stepped forward and looked impressive, and we'll see some of those come back in those races. And we'll close it out here on the 27th and uh, start counting the days, as, 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 although um, we're doing it already. It's 170 days till Derby Day. But we'll, seriously, <laughs> well, I, I hope to see you before the, the meet ends. I'm, I'm up against my, my break here. Uh, John, just a, a, a pleasure talking to you, and I hope our paths cross soon. John, always great to talk to you. Good luck this weekend, and uh, happy Thanksgiving holiday to you, buddy. All right, take care. John Asher, ladies and gentlemen, just a reminder, no winning ponies next Thursday. Uh, join us December 1st. Our guest uh, will be uh, Steve Haskin, and I want to thank our, our producer, uh, Matt Widener, and wish uh, Matt and all the listeners from winningponies.com a very happy Thanksgiving. Remember, folks, bet with your head, not over it. Thanks for listening to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. We know the information from today's show will help you at the next post. Keep listening for more next Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Network.